from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to Live from the Past, coming from the oh, yes, Pathway Studios here in Johnston, Robert. No, no, it's not. Why are you saying it? No, yeah. Why we're are you saying that? We're based in Key West, Florida. No. Oh, that would be glorious. Would, really? You don't, you don't like the heat? Ah, look at me. Do you think I like the heat? Yeah. No, yeah. that's not true. If it's above 60, I feel real balmy. Oh, okay. It's not a good life to live. I don't need to know about your balminess. Here we got going on the show uh, this evening. And so we do have... So... Mike and I were at a conference. This, this uh, we played uh, played in the band at a at a local men's conference, and uh, this this guy I don't know what possessed this man. He was um, he, he he was a comedian. The first set was all right. Yeah, he was, he was, de- was right. decently funny. And then he got up and he did some talking, and like his second set, and it wasn't comedy. It was uh, I don't know, comic man as as a Bible teacher, and uh, I don't know what possessed him. To focus on every controversial lady passage that was in the scriptures, which is what he went for. And then he said some of the most inane, poor theology, Bible teaching I've heard to a room full of men in probably 15 to 20 years. <laughs> oh, boy. Really and did they soak it up? I they- checked the room. I scanned it looking for nods. I didn't see a ton of nods. So I think, I don't know, maybe everyone else, everyone else was taking it in the way that we did. But like okay. I text Ben... About halfway through the second set, I'm like, Ben, this is a horrible Bible teaching. He goes, you can't, don't talk to me right now. I'm praying for his wife and his kids. I was. Oh, <laughs> I, was I, I legit spent the last half of that set of him talking, praying for that, that God would confuse what people remember about yeah, that night. Right. Like that maybe they just remember, uh, which actually I talked to a guy afterward and he didn't seem to get the same impression I did, which I thought, well, either he missed it. Or the Lord confused the thing that I asked. Holy Spirit just grabbed a hold of it and jumbled it up. Yeah. But like like I said, confuse this and then like protect the women and children that are under the leadership of these men. That this crappy teaching does not fall uh, uh, fall onto them. And so I want to I talk about it because I, like, I, I think one I, people are teaching this. And he associated it with some things that I would totally agree with. And so that's the problem. It's stuff like we got to be discerning here. And so I kind of want to talk through some of those things and some of the examples and just just be cautious around like this. You got to be a good Bible. You got to be able to understand your Bible correctly. You can't just use it as a whim to go talk about the thing that you value, which is what happened. And so anyway, well, I want to talk about that. Uh, also, there was um, uh, Hills. There was a uh, did you guys see this? Um, this school that showed the Michelangelo and the parents got real pissed. No. no. Okay, it says a renowned private Christian college in Michigan has severed its ties with the Florida Charter School after the principal was forced to resign when parents complained that students were exposed to pornography during a lesson on Renaissance art that included Michelangelo's David statue. Oh, come on, man. Long and short of the thing, they saw a marble weenus connected to David, Michelangelo's David, and said it's porn. Did you intentionally say long and short of this because you were talking about... <laughs> I don't get those channels. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, the Tallahassee Classical School had a license to use Hillsdale, uh, Hillsdale College's K-12 curricular materials, 
but has since been revoked and will expire at the end of the school year. In response to a request for comment from the Christian Post, a spokesman for Hillsdale College provided its public statement saying uh, its partnership with schools are founded upon a mutual understanding about the aims of education. Education is a cooperative endeavor between students, parents, and teachers. Discretion, good judgment, and prudence are essential for that endeavor to be successful. To set the record straight, this drama around teaching Michelangelo's David sculpture, one of the most important work of art in existence, has become a distraction from and a parody of the actual aims of classical education. Of course, Hillsdale K-12 through art curriculum includes Michelangelo's David and other works of art that depict the human form. So it's it's curriculum from a Christian college that is other, that a charter school is using. They used it to try to teach Renaissance art. Some parents or a parent, I'm not quite, not quite sure clearly, complained that this is pornography, and the principal had to resign. That's ridiculous. Like, here's the question: <laughs> Is it is there a uh, is there any prudence in protecting your kids from exposure to? What you would say is Renaissance or classical art that often dep- – I mean you're way more way more likely to see a set of breasts than you right. are to see a, a penis. That's right. true. And so like I guess, Mike, did you ever did you have any ever concerns exposing any of that – I keep using the words again. I don't get those channels, Bova. Exposing your children to these types of things. Uh, no, no. There's – Here's the thing. It's like this. It's it's so odd that this is coming from like a dude's perspective, right? But like young men, whether it's drawn with a pencil or an actual live set, yep, they are extremely excited about anything that could possibly, maybe even have a hint of looking like a breast, right? <laughs> yeah. But I never lusted after the Venus de Milo when I was fourteen. Never, never, right? Now you take ladies in the opposite end. Like, ask them point blank. They don't even find this particular part of a man's body alluring in any way. They think it's hysterical. Yeah. 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 And so, like, I here's all I can say to this. is like, if, if a parent th- saw or thought that it was pornographic, it was not hidden at all that they were going to go see Michelangelo's David. Everybody knows that Michelangelo's David is the naked statue of a dude with a thing. And so if you let your kid go and then decided to be turned around and be mad about it later... That's extremely childish. Well, were they were they going to see the David, or was it just a part of the no, curriculum? No, just a picture in the curriculum. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Oh, I thought they went and like visited. No, them. no. It was traveling. No, I, I think it okay, was that's just, not even near as bad. Y- right? Yeah, I think you it can't was just, even make the thing out. Here's the deal. Look at look at Renaissance. <laughs> actually, actually, look at like the 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 art that came out of the Renaissance. First off, you'd be surprised how much of that was commissioned by the church. Oh yeah, like. That was the church that was happening. Like that's why you have so many like angelic and demonic paintings. You've got things that were like paintings of Jesus that are super famous and became a big deal from the Renaissance and things like that. Like it was it was the opening of art. It yeah. was the Renaissance of what it was to to understand the human form. That's why that was a thing. It was a study of the human form as art could portray it. It was never meant to be pornographic. It wasn't at that time. It isn't now. It was meant to be a study of how can we represent beauty as God created it through our own hands. Yeah, I, I think there is there is a there's a prudence in protecting how people use and misuse their bodies or each other's bodies. But like basic education around like I'm just not concerned at all. Yeah. I have I have three girls and one dude. And I've never been concerned that these kids would take in a penis somewhere in a statue or whatever. Like, I mean, it, they are what they are. Right. I, I guess, like, I, you're protecting. I think there is, there are 
like I said, there are things to be prudent about, but like, actually, it's one of the safest ways to have some discussions with children around some of these things. Yeah. Um, and, and like, again, it's it's in the eye of the beholder. We're, we're having, you know, ankle and neck issues in the Muslim world because of what's what's hidden from them. Mm-hmm. And so although I'm not like freely show everything to all the children all the time. Right. Um, I, I do think there is a prudence to uh, or a wisdom in making sure children are educated about they understand how the bodies work. Um, it doesn't feel they don't walk into life not understanding basic things that God has created, the goodness of which he's created. Like I I get that it's a, it's a sensitive line, but I, this this doesn't seem it's not pornographic. Right. Like it's not. It's nudity. Um. But it's not it's not implying anything. It's not pointing toward gosh darn it. It's not trying to draw anybody into any type of behavior or it whatever. I it's you I don't get the channels, Boova. Yeah. I didn't say think of everything phallic that could possibly exist. I just said the long and short of it was a funny way to say that, as you're talking about David's David. This, I, every time I look over there, I just presume you're thinking something euphemistic. <laughs> Is it? A, did you I can't say, keep two balls in the air at once. It was a <laughs> it was a K through twelve class, like yeah. so, like it was the whole class, like kindergarten up yeah, to that's seniors. A, that's a weird thing for a five year old to have to go through. They they can't figure out the color wheel yet. Oh, that should be their art class, right? But, but that, like you're also not you're not parading in a naked guy for a still life and going recreate David or Michelangelo's David. Good job. Well, and that's not this. It's for a five year old. The problem isn't that it's it's uh, somehow worse or more naughty. Right. It's that, like they're going to get no value out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. They're going to look at that and go, I, okay, that, that means absolutely nothing to me. Yes. Ho- yes. Yeah, your five-year-old is hopefully not getting anything sexual from any part of their, their curricula. Yeah. But, now, yeah. I, now, I think one of the rubs was, hey, did, did you not give the parents a heads up? I'm like, and they didn't. But, I mean... Would you have expected a heads up no. if your kid was in public school no. and that school had an art class about Renaissance art for them to give you a call and go, all right, Mr. Blah, 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 just a heads up. In mm. three weeks from now, we're going to go ahead and show the the statue of Michelangelo's David. Okay, now here's the question, though, because um, what's good for the goose is delicious for the gander. If you have – if this is, seems okay at the school's discretion – now, it's a charter school, so like it, presumably it's bound in some way yeah. or another by some sort of moral belief system. Um, uh, but how there have been a number of incidences within the state of Iowa over the last year with complaints about the types of books that are in the library. Okay, and so the same question would apply: Do are is it okay then to say books of some nature or another? Like we don't need to give the parents a heads up, and it's the it's the school's discretion about what they provide, and your kids just need to kind of stay out of it. Because I mean, some of these things, like uh, blushing, I, the governor read one as to make an example, and like, like these are words I don't use and have never used in all my life. The types of things that they're talking about, and like some of the some of the books were targeted for young adults, and they're talking about like mutual masturbation, and they're talking about okay. like like underage, like severely underage sexual activity and in very graphic terms. Gotcha. And, and there have been a significant number of protests that go, why do these even need to be in a school library? Is it necessary for this to be covered here? Can't you leave this realm of things for homes to handle? And could, could naked uh, Renaissance painting not fall into that category? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I would say no, it doesn't fall in that category, but I mean, as a parent, you get to make those decisions, right? Like there's kids that opted out of health class when I was in 
in high school, right? They're like, yeah, I don't want my kid going through that. We'll teach them that stuff at home. And so I guess it, it depends on how involved you want to be with your kids at school, right? So yeah. like if if you're concerned about it, then you should ask and the school should blank be able to tell you, yes, this is the curriculum. This is what we're going to go through. Um, in the past, we've had some people that are a little leery of this, just so you know. So like if the school's not trying to be shady about it yeah, and, right. and you went up and asked, then this problem would have been averted. But what I don't think you get to do is use the, the school as like a daycare and then when you find out that things aren't going exactly how you thought because you didn't even think about it, you didn't even ask, you didn't care enough to want to know, and then a thing happened, you can't go, well, I can't believe this happened. Like, you totally would have known. Right. I think they would have told you they have a curriculum set out for the year. They knew they were going to use it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like, I would, as, as I take in what you said about, like, the books in the library, like, you know, my, my 12-year-old reading Fifty Shades of Grey that was at, you know, my school's library, I feel yeah. is different than... Uh, then you know them un- or going through a class on on Renaissance art and then seeing David or uh, Michelangelo's David. I feel like that's different. Now, as I'm thinking through that, I'm trying to find what the difference is for me. One, I believe I don't think the curricula was was covering those books. I'm sure they were just available at the library, which I might disagree with that even being available. What, what do you need it for, right? Yeah, exactly, right. Like if it's you know you can argue many books can be educational as a part of a curriculum to like understand literature and understand, you know, literary devices. And this is this type of book and use this to expand your imagination that helps you take on real world situations with a more expanded imagination through reading books about dragons or whatever. Right. I don't know if that would ever extend in my mind to allowing smut books or whatever you want to call them or, or pornographic books as I would, I would describe them. So what's interesting is that, like, because something about your moral compass would say, hey, there's a line to draw here. Uh, a lot of the arguments, especially for yeah. the books that are in, in libraries, they say, well, I mean, don't kids need to know about masturbation and about their bodies? And, like, otherwise they're exploring out their own. It's creating risk. And so, like, here's the thing. And, and I mean, obviously I like to protect kids from taking in crapola right. as much as possible. But, like, you have to recognize that from their perspective – this feels like education to them, and it feels like, yeah. hey, you're turning out kids into a world where they don't understand themselves, their bodies. They're going to do it anyway. Can you at least help them feel like have an exposure to it that is natural or that like um, doesn't just have them do it out in the wild? And so like I, it's a common – we have a societal gap that will not be easily easily fixed because if you allow other people um, or a government structure to be part of educating yep. children – then you're you have to be willing to recognize that that will not necessarily reflect your morals. Exactly. Yes. And to Mike's point, then like there's there's good and righteous regions to do that. But I mean, you have to like like extra innings parent something because you're not doing it yourself. Yep. Or and we you, like to call that regular parenting. Regular parenting. <laughs> um, but 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 like that's the thing is that, like, but your moral outrage does not make sense. It doesn't logically follow because you know that 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 this thing isn't being run how you would run it. And it's full of a mixture of views and things like the winds of society shift to say, hey, look, I think kids are going to have sex at 14. We should put books in the library to help them do it safely and put the condom dispenser in there. Right. You might find that to be morally outrageous. But if you recognize where people's worldview is at, it's not inconsistent or Mm -hmm. illogical. 
You just the moral lines you don't agree with. And I think you continue to evangelize in those areas. But like the shock, I'm not following. Right. I've just it does. It does. Like I understand. I logically follow why these things are happening. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If you're farming out the responsibility of all the education of your children to a government entity or another party, a private school, charter school. Somebody, pick yeah, exactly. One. Right. Yeah. Pick one that isn't you. Um, you've given away your ability to be shocked by what they might be showing everyone in their curriculum. Like, and also on the other front of that, like if you are doing your due diligence as a parent and educating your children at home as well and preparing them through this kind of stuff and having real conversations that work at the level that they're at, they won't go to a class and see you know, Michelangelo's David, and then just be taken aback and their whole world gets shattered. If you prepare them and build them up in good ways and send them out, if public education is necessary for your home life or whatever, I don't care, then you still have a job to do at home that will allow these things to not be grenades in their minds. Like, it doesn't have to wreck them if they are are exposed to a statue penis. Like it, it doesn't have to break yeah. everything if you are putting in groundwork at home so that all of their educational system, besides do your chores or you'll get grounded. Like there's got to be more at home that gets done. We th- we're only farming out this stuff uh, from a public education K through twelve perspective for like two hundred years as a society, if that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the norm. <laughs> the thing is, is like uh, it likes to get boiled down to an age conversation, but like there's things that they are exposing kids to that I shouldn't be exposed to. Yeah. Right. There's adverse. Yeah. There's adverse effects on on especially when it comes in the sexual realm. Right. Like there's there's expectations of the way that a partner will react or how they should react or yep. how you're. How you're, what you're owed, like what, like we like to point at porn and say, look, this is, it, that's most damaging, uh, because most of it is centered on the male perspective and how the male would receive pleasure and all this stuff, right? Like, and it builds like a, a completely unrealistic, yeah. uh, thing in a man's mind, and it also tends to to have women look at like, oh, this is this is what I should be, this yeah, is this what it'll is look where like, where right? my value comes, and like from. it's and it's ridiculous, it's not even close to reality, right? And so, so you're doing the same thing by exposing a 14-year-old who has a 13, 14-year-old. Like, there's a range of ages in there where they are may or may not even be sexually attracted to anything, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're just not sexual beings yet. And so, like, to, to set an age for it or say, like, yeah, this is appropriate, it's not appropriate for me to read Fifty Shades of Grey because right. it's not it's not right. fair – for me to take whatever's in that book and then and then lay it over the top of my life and go, yep. oh, well, my marriage is lacking because it doesn't have whatever this is, or my marriage is whatever because of the way that these people are reacting. Like it's not healthy for you anyway. Right. And so the, the question is 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 not whether I suppose parents can go, yes, I would like my kids exposed to this, blah 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 blah. The age thing is really not much of a concern, which this is where your parenting comes in, right? right. Part of me, part of me believes that like if you shelter them too much, they're going to think you're lying to them. Yes, agreed. right. If you don't, if you don't share facts with your kids and talk about it frankly and use the right words for heaven's sakes, right? Like use body parts and and say their names yeah. and talk about what happens and you know like if you don't, if you're too awkward to have that conversation, someone else will have it with them, right? And like you're the one that gets to set the expectations and the realities out there and go listen. You cannot. Like, I know it sounds interesting. I know it piques your interest because you don't know much about it. But right. here's the thing, right? There's consequences into some of the in some of the ideas they're putting out. 
Yeah, and I think it's healthy and loving to have these conversations with your children about what sex was intended to be. Like, obviously, you know, deal. I, I know you say age doesn't drive it so much, but like, deal with whatever works for their their level of understanding and things. Like, you don't need to go into the full conversation to your six year old. But like, this is a right thing that God has given us, and there's a right realm to take it in. Intimacy is not a problem. It's not taboo in the way that God has designed it. And there is a beauty in that action and being presented that in a healthy and constructive way to start building that wall to go like, the world is going to tell me that sex is something and that all things that involve sex are something. Pornography is going to tell me something. My buddies in a treehouse are going to tell me something with a penthouse magazine, whatever. If they have been built up by you and and your spouse loving them to like build them up in a way that like this is something beautiful that God has given people who are in covenant with him. And this is the right way to look at this. It's not a scary thing. It's not taboo. It's not doesn't need to be uncomfortable. It's just a thing that we do because God loves us. And it's our way of continuing that and and, and building families that can then fall in line with furthering his kingdom and, and our new people that can love him. And it's something that they go, they don't just walk into this vacuum and then get assaulted with curriculum from their public school. They go, I've been talking to mom and dad about that for years. I know what God calls that. And I know what that's supposed to be. I'm comfortable with that. That's fine. Whatever. It's not a grenade getting dropped on my brain to cause problems 20 years from now. And it's not something that colors sex and intimacy as a problem to go, I should be ashamed of my body and I should only be uh, existing in these realms and whatever perversions come from that. Like that starts at home where you can build that up and make it to be a thing that is holy and, and true, good for the God. True and, thing, right? and, and true, like, yes. The thing the thing that, that we always it always gets lost in the conversation, but like you're settling for less joy. Right. You're settling for like God it did not design the thing because he wants to hide whatever's in fifty shades of gray from you, right? Like he knows they exist. He says there's there's not there's not as much joy there as the yeah. thing I'm offering. There's nothing new under the sun right? here. Like 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 the thing that you're trying to pursue, you can get happy. Right. But you're also gonna get you're gonna get tied to shame, and that's yep. not what I want for yep. you. I want you to have freedom and joy, and that's what he's offering. And like, doesn't matter how much happy and shame you tie together, it never ends up being freedom and joy. And so the the thing that God's pointing people to. Right is is complete freedom, a complete joy in the thing that he's created, and it gets lost in the conversation as if God is trying to hide some of the outskirts of sexual activity from you. He is definitely not. He is definitely not trying to hide that from you. He's just saying this is where all the joy comes from and the freedom comes from, and this is where I suggest you go. Yeah, and yeah. we look at it at like like the conversation just gets skewed, and so like to get back to the David thing, like if your family has a problem with nudity being introduced by the school. I whatever. I maybe I blame you, maybe I don't. I mean whatever. It's you get to run that at your house. Yeah. But like what you can't do is is armchair quarterback the thing cuz you didn't care to ask, right? You had like if you thought, "Oh, well, I didn't think the school would ever show the picture of statue of David to my kid who's in second grade." Yeah, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But I mean, you're asking the kids what's going on? Are you are you checking in with yeah. them? Do you know what their curriculum is cuz you can certainly ask those yeah, questions. Yeah, what would you do today? Talk about it at home at dinner. You can go, okay, well, you took that in. Let's well, talk about what that And means. I think that's what happened, and that's what made the person upset. I, I, like, just, I mean, you need to react in proper proportion here. If it's not for you, I get that. But, like, can you recognize that maybe other people might not have the same problem? Like, the dude doesn't have a job anymore. 
principal doesn't have a job anymore because right. you because you're like, well, we should have been should have been notified ahead of time, and my and my kid was exposed to porn. I mean, like, what are we doing? If it's a Christian, if it's like a chartered school using Christian curriculum for the most part, like this this is where we want to start setting some fires like if you it sounds like a conversation but not a but not a, a bomb yeah and so i yeah, yeah I think so you pulled poorly. out your christian curriculum and and told and fired the principal now what is the school going to do like are they just going to go find another curriculum to put in there and yeah. then you've really changed the lives of everybody involved congratulations by that i mean you just got somebody fired yeah i yeah i guess like uh you handle yourself appropriately proactive parent and handle yourself appropriately within right proportion. Like, this just seems goofy. Yeah. yeah. And, like, what's the worst thing you'd have to happen? Your kid's going to come home and say, hey, I saw a penis. I saw yeah. a 4,000-year-old penis And today. you're like, what? And you're like, okay, well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, a lot of statues are done that way. That's along with the time period. Like, it's it's not depicted in, like, a dirtier sexual manner. But, like, that is what the human form looks like. Do you have any questions yeah. about that? And make sure you keep your kid away from all museums forever. Just a heads up. Yeah. You're going to see plenty of stuff. There's a lot of top half nudity in the museums, man. Even your I mean, low rent ones. Yeah, again, like, Venus de Milo you, is just four spheres. Why do? You, why are? Why are you okay with old nudity? Where if someone like had had painted a picture, like uh, or taken a photograph of a completely naked dude and put it up in a, in a museum that was yeah. life size tall, you would have been like, "Whoa!" It's a great question. Also, yeah. stay out of Buca de Beppo. Actually, so I saw a modern. Uh, uh, where are we about? Mike, we, Mike, do you remember? Was this going on when you were there? So we went to the the National Museum in London, and there was um, one of the art installations, and it was like a video of a guy with a with a headgear on and boxing in the naked, just throwing punches. No, naked. Mm-mm. You don't remember that? Okay. No. Exposed to the wind. Right. And I looked at it, I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand why we're doing this. I don't understand most of it anyway. Uh, but then I thought, I mean, I, I, get, I guess I mean, if my kids saw it, they'd probably just laugh and go, what the heck is that? Why yeah. is that guy in the nude boxing? But like, they have a little brother. And so like, his, I mean, that man is in his glory like 90% of the time. I came home, I came home from bringing a kid home from like softball practice tonight. And he's just, he's got some kind of, I don't even know where he got this multicolored strobe light. And he's like, dance party, and he's in the Buckwild nude. I said, what are you even doing? Well, he was supposed to be, like, he wanted to, he proposed that he was going to take a bath. It's not a bath night. It's not time for him to scrub. But, like, he he, he went most, he went all the way there. That way, like, like, it would seal the deal. And it took him probably 40 minutes to get him wrangled back into a pair of underpants. Yeah. And, and, and you know, rehome the joint. And But, like, nobody cares. Nobody right. cares because it's just a dude running around a house, like, in in a non he's not he, I mean he even does like some things where you're like oh you should stop you know he'll do like he'll do some Elvison around and you're like dude knock that off you got to stop it but like nobody notices it but me yeah right. you know why because it's in a non sexual context right, right right and that's yeah. the same that's true with the statue of David it's not in a sexual context no it was never meant to be sexual it was just it was literally just this is the human form and like this is this is the pinnacle of physique as this culture saw it and that represented beauty. It had nothing to do with sexual nature. It most cultures wouldn't see it that way anyway. 
you look at many cultures that have legit fertility statues. Like that's when all the curves are like insanely voluptuous and everything phallic is like monster sized because it's not meant to be like, oh, bigger is better. It's meant to be accentuation of uh, of what's actually important to fertility. Yeah. We as a culture take things in sexually, pervertedly, yes. more than most cultures right. ever did. That's right. From any kind of Greek culture, Roman culture, Egyptian, things like that. When you see that stuff, it was meant to be, guess what, guys? It's spring. It's no longer cold out. We're not dying from whatever weather is around let's mate and continue our species and that's beautiful yeah that's where that came i think that's i think that's the right i think that like especially western culture like we take everything everything is sexualized right so even things that aren't sexual we're taking in sexualized and so if you show up with with nudity then automatically it is sexualized now i'm stuck in my own caveat here right like like a, a straight up picture of a naked dude I would like heads up before my kids saw that, right? Like of, I get a, it. of an actual human. For some reason, I take that indifferent, you, you know, and I don't know why. I'd have to sort through that. But like that is my right as a as a parent. Yeah, though. Again, I get to go. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's a great idea. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the the it was an overreaction. Okay. Hey, you're listening live from the path. Maybe let us like uh, I don't know underreaction, overreaction. How, how have you thought about or what is your experience in um, exposing your kids to art? of which nudity is involved, what are your concerns, or like uh, how early is too early, or whatever. I'd be interested in your thoughts. You can get a hold of us on the Life in the Path complaint line. Old Bobby Eisenlauer says, give us a call, 515-517-0085, or text 515-517-0085. I did see, what was it, this week or last week, Bob Eisenlauer's like a realtor of the... Realtor of the Year? He's always Realtor of Best the Year. Best Realtor? Came He's, in it again. Yeah, He's, Bob Eisenlauer, if you'd like to hit us up on the Bob Eisenlauer Life in the Path complaint line. Uh, we'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah, us know how go. you're doing. Okay, okay. So Mike and I are at this uh, dudes dudes conference, and like sometimes these are good. Like it's a good time to have just a bunch of fellows in the room to hear a bunch of fellows like worship and stuff together. Yeah, of it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, but there have been multiple times where I've been to a dudes conference and I walked away going, Ugh, yeah, I don't want to be the kind of man that was just discussed on the stage. And so, Mike, maybe I'll, I'll give you some room to speak here too. But like, I the the general the general position here was, I think, an encouragement of like, well, men, you need to step up. Okay, you got my vote. I'm with on. I'm with you on that. But the type of man that is being encouraged to step up, and the picture of Jesus that was painted in re, like as an example. I just scripturally couldn't get there. So, Michael, I don't know. Like, what did you hear that you feel like, ah, I just was taking that in wrong? Uh, so the two, the two major points that I remember walking away from is one of his points was uh, when they were handing out curses. And he was talking about, uh, you know, Eve had, had sinned. And he goes, now, now, now notice what Adam gets cursed for, because he listened to his wife. Oh, geez. That was the big ringer. Because the man is supposed to be the head of the household. And he's the one supposed to be leading his family. And the fact that he listened to his wife, he allowed his wife to speak into the equation, then that was a mistake. That was what he was cursed for. I'm like, what? 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 Second, uh, his he, he liked to point that, like, as Jesus was the head of the church, right, that man is head of the marriage, right? And, and like, his authority is not to be questioned. And, like, if you need to tell people to shut up, you do it. You don't back down from good things. And like, okay, here's the thing. I can, I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit. Your marriage relationship is different than that. 
you know, like if you want to say, like we say, we say things with truth and love like Jesus did, and we don't back down from those things for opinions of others. Uh, yes, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. But he was trying to roll it into the context of, uh, like, if, if basically he said, if you're, if there's a decision to be made and you and your wife disagree, you tell your wife to sit down and be quiet, and you make that decision. I'm like, what if she's right? Oh my like, gosh. I've been in a marriage for a long time. I'm, so, I'm glad every once my wife goes, I don't think that's a great idea. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> and then she explains it to me, and I go, well, good. Yes, that's right. That was a bad idea that I was going to go ahead and shove my way into. So that's the that was the general tone, yeah. And he was and he was he had some scriptural references. The one about Adam and Eve was that was the one where I just kind of started spacing out. I'm like, holy cow, this is terrible. Now to 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 right size that right, like, and I, and this is more of like I'm not 100 percent certain, but I feel like I'm pretty good, pretty right in this. Is as it pertains to the marriage covenant. First off, Jesus is the head of the covenant, right? Like he's the one who has the authority in that. Is as the head of that portion of of the covenant that the man is, the man is accountable for the decisions and 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 issues that happened. Yeah. Not just the one that leads and therefore makes the choices. Yeah. It is you're not the the king of this because you're the one who is always right and therefore you're the one who gets to you know throw the hammer around. Right. It's if there's problems, you are the one held accountable in that covenant. Which is the exact thing that happens in the Garden of Eden uh, after right. sin occurs. Yes. God comes looking for Adam. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like you bring the hammer and therefore all choices have to go through you. It is God will look at the covenant that you joined with another woman to him on. Right. That like it screws up. You're the one accountable for this piece. Yeah. Because there has to be someone that can stand in the fire. Now, the minute you hand out responsibility, you do give out some sense of authority. Right. Because if I'm responsible, then I I, I got to be the guy who goes, because I'm responsible, I'm going to make sure yes, that we exactly. make the right, right decision, right? Or, but, but like, this is this is where it gets twisted. So the guy referenced uh, Ephesians 5, and he's like, you, you, you need to love your wife like Christ, Christ loved the church. And th- the way that he took it was to go, and Jesus was the king of the church, and he was not undermined. And he did not tolerate people throwing him off his course when he was saying true things. And he died on the cross because he said things that made people mad and they killed him for it. And like that is the shallowest rendering of, right. the, of, of that theology that like you didn't you're not even trying. Like so. But yes. Yes. Here's the problem is. And I told this to Mike at the time is that like 10 percent of what this man is saying is true. But That's even the, the ten, dangerous, even the 10 percent that was true was in the wrong context. Yeah. So. Uh, is when when Paul's talking about love your wife like Christ loved the church. What is he What's he pointing at? Well, Christ loved the church by sacrificing and dying for yep, it, serving it right in service, in feet washing, uh-huh. nail on the cross. I know that you're going to curse me, and I'm still going to do this for you because right. I will suffer for your reconciliation to what is right and to what is good. Yeah, right. If 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 he was the kind of the jack wagon that this man was proposing, he would have refused to have been crucified. Right. Like, why would I allow you guys to put to bully me around? Right. I'm the king here. I, and it was it was it's just the wrong. Now, I mean, is Jesus king? Of course he is. Right. Of course he is. Um, did he allow Pharisees, Sadducees, non-believers to throw him off of the things that he wanted to say and talk about? Well, no, of course not. But like, I I didn't see him. The only people I saw him do any type of aggression towards. Uh, were the people that were misusing God's temple. 
It yep. wasn't a, it wasn't a human relationship problem. Okay, it was someone who was who was perversely trying right. to profit um, and otherwise circumvent what people believed and understood about God through the process of sacrifice. Right. Okay, and like my my biggest problem, I have a problem with the representation of how men are to lead. Mm-hmm. In their like, I I would agree it's more of a responsibility, and it's a sacrificial, loving one that is constantly trying to restore the brokenness around him, not dictate to it. Right. Um. But like, he uses that and says it's men are to be this way because Jesus was this way, and that's where we're getting into blasphemous territory because right. you're misrepresenting the character of God to otherwise emphasize your desire to have a, a worldly dominance yep. over the people underneath you. Yeah, how can I make the story of Christ glorify me and my decisions in the way that I want to be chauvinistic in my own relationship and household? Yes. Now, here's the thing. Here's here's why I have some sympathy with it. Um, far too many men, far too many men take no responsibility for their house. Right. They defer everything to their wives who – and this is the point he got right. Men tend to be short-sighted and narrow. Women tend to be able to balance all kinds of things. We've talked about that on the show. Yeah. I agree with that. Right. Um, but the problem is, is that men bail from that, and then all the load ends up on the wife to raise the children, to manage the household, to babysit this rambling doofus who don't want to take no responsibility for his life. And they just constantly deferring, and and, and now the weight of the thing that is supposed to be distributed amongst a married couple now falls entirely on a woman. Right. And and that and and that is a failure. That is a men's failure. And there are times, guys. There are times when you are in a loving relationship, and like the two of you just don't agree. And like someone's got to be the person who goes. We have to do something. We have to make a decision right. somewhere now. But you tell me this: Does King Jesus look out at the world and he goes, "You all suck, and we're going to do what I want to do." Uh, and I don't care if it. I don't care if you're pissed off or this breaks relationship. No, no, and here's how I know that. It's not because he needs our advice. Of course he doesn't. He does know the right things to do. Jesus cheats. He, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, he, what's this example? He goes, he said something like, uh, you ever see Jesus apologize? Jesus cheats. Jesus never had to apologize. <laughs> Your humble tale, however, right, exactly. has got to learn to pull it together. He was perfect in all things. You but are most certainly not. That's not you, right? So it's not, that's not the right comparison. But like, here's what I know is that Jesus comes and walks the earth in, in sympathy for the humanity that has a sin problem, in demonstration of a um, an example that we need to understand. That is a grace. Right. It is a grace that we get to see the outworkings of a miracle. It is a grace that we get to see through the nation of Israel and through Jesus himself what people look like in a relationship with God of which he is actively participating in their lives so that we may follow and do those types of things that's given to us an example. And I talked about this, I think, like a few months ago, but like when, when Jesus said, how often do you forgive? Your boundary would be much shallower unless he dies on the cross. Yeah. That gives you a bit like now you recognize that wherever you were going to draw the line, you're not even close. And so and these are graces. And so this is this is God going. I understand your human condition. I understand the fallibilities that you're up against. I understand the sin that is pervasive into your lives. And that's why Jesus comes in the way that he does walks the earth. Right. And so I know that Jesus doesn't just go around going, yeah, I'm the king and you will not undermine me. And if you do, I will destroy you. He gave this doofus. He gives the example. He goes, just think of how God dealt with the nation of Israel. I said, well, let's talk about that. Let's see how God <laughs> dealt with the nation of Israel. He get, he busts them out of Egypt. Uh-huh. Sends a wind to part the waters. They casually walk across it, no problem. They get, I don't know, a week, maybe two weeks outside of this area, and they go, God, we're hungry. 
why wouldn't you just let us die of starvation in Egypt? Okay, who's pissed about this? Moses is pissed. The human, the human leader is right. there, yes. and he's mad. Right? How these ungrateful people? What does God do? He sends food. Yeah, he sends the quail. <laughs> Same thing happens. Water, multiple times. Water. Yeah. God, there's no water here. Cast it on the stone. Who gets pissed? Moses gets pissed. <laughs> How could these people behave this way? Wacky all of the water, right? God provided. He takes the you take the log in Meribah, and now it becomes something that they can drink, right? You the the, the rock gets smacked. <laughs> they have water to drink in the presence of their grumbling, which undermines the very character of what God just demonstrated in front of them. God gave them food and water. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sin against him. He kicks them out of the garden. What does he do? He makes them, them the clothes. Yeah. And so, like now, yes. Yes, is there a time where uh, at uh, when they start worshiping other gods, okay, the hand gets stayed because Moses prays and said, God, please don't, don't do this, right? Was there a punishment from God? Yes, there was. But that's not the same thing. Your human grumbling, your undermining of like God's provision is not the same thing as you actively looking at a golden right. cow and going, this God saved me. Right. That was the problem there. Now, now go to the, go to the big extreme, go to the exile. Okay, they get exiled. Two different places they get exiled. What is the constant promise in Scripture? I'm ge- I'm bringing you back home. Right. I'm I haven't you. left you. That's right. I've even where you are now, I still am. I didn't leave yep. you. And so, like this guy told a story where uh, it was a friend of his had, and uh, this, guy, this story made me freaking pissed already because he's like, guy's got two kids, and then he says he's got an adopted son. This is kid number three. I'm like, why didn't you just say he had three kids? Had three kids, yeah. Well, why would you tell a story like this? Stupid. <laughs> anyway, third kid is in jail. I don't know why. Okay. Husband and wife go to visit the kid, and whatever's going on, the husband is saying something. The wife interjects. And it sounds like maybe corrects something that the husband has said or tries to add to the conversation. Husband tells her to shut up. Okay. Son gets pissed, comes over, starts beating the dad up. Guy goes, he was abused in prison. I'm like, he was beat him up. That's what he did. He starts to beat the guy up. Okay. He's this comedian dude is counseling the fella. And his advice is, he's like, well, the guy, the, the, the dude who got beat up goes, yeah, you know, I, I should have said it differently. I, I, I should have. I need to apologize to my wife. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, hold on a minute. What are you apologizing for? He's like, well, I, I should have. I, you know, maybe I should have said it differently or whatever. He's like, did she need to shut up? Yes. Well, then what are you apologizing oh, for? Yes. Oh, he's on fire. What is wrong with this guy? This now. Yes. Yes. This is what I'm saying. You, and you're like, what? Now, here's the thing. You want a tough marriage situation. Sometimes. Sometimes between the two of you, someone needs to go, hey, man, you really got to tuck that down. Right. You got to tuck that down. But, like, here's the thing. Jesus led us by example, right? Not by force. You're in, and, and, like, I, I know when you're responsible, and sometimes that responsibility means you have to make things happen. I, but, like, are we, are, are we really saying that the way that Jesus looks at the world against those who are struggling to act rightly in it but desire to is to be aggressive like that, forceful like that, demeaning like that. Right. Disrespectful. Right. And like humble now again, I get it. Jesus does not does not humble himself by apologizing because he doesn't have to apologize. Right. But in ways in which he didn't his kingliness would never have required, he humbles and walks the earth as a man. He washes the dirty, nasty, crap-covered feet of his disciples as a man. He endures indignities 
that, right. that only criminals endure in humility and service to the people around them. And so you're going to tell me that your example is to say, I lead like King Jesus because I told my wife she could shut up in that room. Right. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the big, one of the big disappointments to me here was that, like, you know what a room full of guys needs encouraged as? Is that, like, we're dropping the ball. We're not serving our world and families around me. You do need to grow a pair. You do need to have some right. grit and courage. You do need to actively lead your family and take that responsibility seriously. And, like, some of the things, the themes that this man is getting at were totally right, except for he pointed me to a fake Jesus, which yep. then tells me not how to act correctly within his kingdom for in the things that I'm responsible for as a man. Yeah, get a backbone, but don't let it come from a place of you're the tough, strong person in your relationship. Let it come from the place of love. Like your backbone conversations about taking a stand and being a real man should not come from anywhere but understanding that that is another part of loving the people around you, loving the people that are in your family, loving the marriage that you're in, loving the people that are around you. That is your commandment is to love them, not pansy your way around stuff and and uh, and not have a backbone or whatever, but like the love of that is to go, hey man, you're screwing up and we've got to deal with this because there's a way to do this right and God has called us to that. That's where my hand gets firm is to go, we need to find our place where we're following Christ in this and being honoring to the king and being part of the kingdom. Not, hey, you better shut up because I spoke and I am the authority here. That's ridiculous. Like that's just ridiculous. That's I, that is that is a, a twenty percent rendering of a full message, and and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think the big thing is is right is like if you love you love your wife like Christ loved the church, and like the sacrifice thing's the whole thing. Yeah, right. Like like you just cannot fathom that King Jesus came down on purpose to set an example for humanity to live in. But like he's a legit king, like creator yes. of the world king and let people like curse him and beat him and like nail him to a cross. Like he he had to tolerate none of this. Right. Like none of this. And so the thing like how how far he lowered himself is infinitely farther then he's asking you to lower yourself. You're not king of anything. Yeah. Right? I don't like, know how you hear that story and then find yourself in the place where you think that that the comparison between you and Jesus is, is I'm a king in this moment. Never once does God call you a king of anything. Yeah, like God is greater and holy, 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 set apart, who humbled himself to become lesser and lower so that he can live this experience to show us what it really is supposed to look like and sacrifice lovingly for us but never to put up a, us up on a pedestal if like think, that was never the move to make think us about kings it, like i always think of the, this is not a, it doesn't stand up under scrutiny but you're gonna have to let it pass but i always think about it as, as like me owning an ant farm and like i can see what they're doing and i see that their tunnel structure is going to cause them a whole bunch of trouble right and so like i make myself into an ant to go down and show them how it was done and i go into the ant farm and they turn on me and like I'm mm. the one that feeds them. I give them ant food, right? But I see what's causing them the broken. Yep. And I'm like, I'm going to go down and help them fix it. And I show up and I start telling them truths about how to build tunnels and how to live life in the farm. And they they decide to kill me. And like, would I ever tolerate that, right? Like I would just turn myself not to be an ant anymore. Yeah, go, right. You know what? You idiots are on right. your own. Any moment, 
I'm a human, by the way, and stronger than all of you and above all of you. I can crush this all. Stop trying to tell me I'm wrong and hurt me. Jesus is just like, nope, this is where I'm at. And he stays. He stays in the ant form and gets crucified to show you exactly what it looks like to be a sacrificial ant leader. Right. You know, and so like if 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 that metaphor stands, if he says, love your wife like Christ loved the church, that's what that looks like. Like zero of I'm in authority here, right? You're going to listen to me. You know who people follow? People who are leading, right? If you're if if you're taking the responsibility of leading your family, your family will follow that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like. You're you know it's not it's not a job title. Uh-huh. Just like Deacon. It's not a job title. It's a responsibility. Right. Yeah. And when you take it like when you are actively involved in your family and you are not sitcom dadding over here on a, on a right. recliner watching your wife legit juggle everything that you both agreed to right like like you both as a family agreed to buy the house buy the car have kids have responsibilities be on this committee or whatever and like she's organizing the whole thing she's planning the whole thing she's making sure so and so is getting here and you're just like where are we going <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you're bailing on this. Right. You are not sacrificially living. And in all practicality, you know what's interesting? When you look into marriages of men that are actually attempting to love like Jesus did and are attempting to lead as as the the person who is accountable for the covenant that they're in in their marriage, right? They're 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 they are a safety for their wives. They are a safe space and a peaceful place for their wife and children to come to. They are loving their kids wholeheartedly and not satellite dadding and coming home from an eight to five and thinking, my job's done. I'm glad my wife is here to raise my children. If you are an actual man of Christ that follows the example that Jesus leads, do you want to see what your family starts to actually look like? Like you're you're in a place where because of of your emulation of what Jesus is and what Jesus was supposed to or what you were supposed to represent of Christ in your household, you don't have a crazy family that runs rampant and goes all over all over the place. Yeah. You have a wife that feels loved and appreciated and safe, and you are her peace. You have children who see parents that get along and understand each other. They may not have everything down pat, and nothing's perfect, and they may argue from time to time, whatever, but your kids see a marriage where I know my dad loves my mom, and I know my mom adores and loves my dad, and I want to follow along with this, and I want to figure out what this looks like. I want this to be true in my relationships and who I am eventually. I want to follow this Christ person because I recognize what it, what my father taught me and what my mother taught me and what I saw. It builds strong family relationships that aren't challenged by this kind of stuff, that aren't in a place where like you you, you as a man feel uh, undermined in your authority because you can't tell your wife to shut up. Like you're ridiculous. Yeah, well, you don't need to feel that way if you're loving the way Christ calls you to love and you're living in a marriage the way that Christ designed that marriage to exist. Mutually respectful of each other, loving each other, being each other's safety and peace, following after Christ together, hand in hand, that kind of stuff, leading children to the water where Christ is at. That is how families thrive and continue and how kingdom work gets done within your household and that's the thing is the safety thing that's a big deal because she has a safe space to be wrong yeah right really wrong so do you like crazy wrong right and like you're her safe space to be completely ridiculous wrong and it didn't change your relationship at all you disagreed but it didn't change your relationship and you get that same safety with her like 
the, to think that like you sit on the king the king's throne and you're never going to call a ball when it should have been a strike. I don't know how long you've been a dude, but like <laughs> that's all I do. Right. I can recognize it coming a mile away. My wife is a refinement for me. Yes. To go, "Hey, you're looking at this wrong." And how beautiful is that when it works that way? How beautiful is it because you can be safe within your marriage because that's what it's called to be. You are in a representation of the relationship that God has with his church by you being a, a, a Christ, loving like Christ did to your wife and your wife being there to submit to you as as that calls it, right? But like from the perspective of there's no power struggle and there's no vacuum of love and care and safety and peace there. It is a, it is a cohesive ball that works. It's not this thing where you're adversarially always punching against each other. It's going to happen, yep. but like it's safety and it's love, truthful, self-sacrificial love, because it's not we're 50-50 here. It's I give 100 knowing my person that I'm married to is going to give 100 right back. I don't have to worry about this 50-50 crap or I, I'm you know feeling less loved here. It's, it's just love incarnate, self-sacrificially towards each other and your family. And, and I think that one of the perversions comes from, even if you look back at the creation story, there's like, well, Adam's created and then Eve is created from Adam uh, because the Lord said it's not good that he should be alone. He needs a helper. Um, and that helper word, uh, you just got to be real careful with it. Yeah. That same helper word um, it describes God. It, it's a feminine. It's a feminine word, but like um, it, it Yahweh even um, in the Old yeah. Testament. And so, like, um, it's not a it's not a diminishment here. Like, it's not a substandard. It's not a secondary. And so, like, again, you're, if your theology is all cranked up wrong, like just because you told the story doesn't mean you got the the interpretation correctly, and you only told half a story. Right. And so, like. I, you just got to be super careful on how you start stringing things together to justify the way that you want to behave in the world. And like, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I mean, you can tell I kind of felt like a vibe of the room was like, um, and, and this is what one of the things the guy said was like, hey, I don't want these things to be true. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed because they're not what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. They're not. Move on. We fixed this problem right there. Now, uh, here's the thing. I, I do think and whatever. I mean, I, if you you fall in a bucket of between like. You know, conservative theology and liberal theology when it comes to marriage, I'm probably I'm in a pretty conservative bucket. But like what I just said, I consider that to be the conservative rendering of the biblical right. story, yes. not some sort of like weird, like American view of what it's like to be a conservative dude or a domineering dude. I like this is what the scripture points me to. I where I part company, where I think from a more liberal position is like I I, I think there's a clear responsibility here. There's an equitableness in there's a quality in the marriage as it sits, like between the self sacrificing and servicing service between the men and women. Um, I do, but I do think God finds the guy accountable. I think yeah, he's responsible right. for it. Just like I think pastors are not better or bigger than better than anybody in the church, but they have a responsibility. That's the uniqueness to their role. And so, like I think they'll, I think that's true. Um, I mean, fight me on it, I suppose. But I don't know what the consequence is because here's the thing: I'm probably going to approach my marriage the same way, regardless. Right? Wouldn't I take responsibility for my family anyway? Yep. Like, like I was thinking about this last week. I should come up with all the examples, but like I was thinking about these hot button like theological issues that are of no consequence. Like, um, it was the, um, the, I was thinking about once saved, always saved stuff. And it just depends on where your theological background, whether you believe it, like whether you believe that once you, once you say yes to King Jesus, that like, you can't, you can't fall out of it. You're eternally saved. Even if you flip God, the bird and do whatever the heck you want, you did the things. 
and God saved you because you're basically your own sin isn't more powerful than God's forgiveness. That's that's why that's the right way and why right. people believe that. But then the hey, you can lose your salvation tends to come with it falls in two categories. It's one like if you will, you start acting like a jack wagon, you weren't saved to begin with. That's what that's how the first bucket deals with people who just run off the reservation. Right. Or the second is is that like, um, well, I mean, you can't lose it through your own sinfulness, but you can reject it. You can like right. basically, I give I, I I give it back. I refuse it. Yeah. Um. But but like, here's the thing: is that like, what do we do? Like. If I believe in bucket one, is, unless I'm trying to use it for justification to be able to act like a jack wagon, like what is the wh- what am I served by knowing what the difference is between? Them? Don't we have a problem either way? Yeah, that like right. we're posturing for a heavenly reality of which we go, yeah, God, I, you have to let me in because I did the things, but like totally just I wanted to create a rebellion against you here on earth or in heaven doesn't matter to me. Here's my words, but I, not my heart. You, right, and so like like. We have a problem either direction. Like, what kind of line are we trying to draw? Neither of them are particularly relevant to me. I feel the same way about uh, predestination. Either I'm predestined, I don't have any control over it, or I have my own choice. Either way, I I don't have a – like, aren't I going to play – things are going to play out how they are? Because if I don't have a choice, then I can't do anything differently. Like, we spill blood in the church over some of these things. I'm like, to what consequence? Yeah. Like, they just don't have – I, I'm looking. I'm saying somebody who's smarter than me is going to go, Ben, if you give that up, then here's three major theological points which are going to be in contention. I thought about it for a week. So far, for those two things, I haven't come up with anything. <laughs> no. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what we gained here. Right. I feel like I always explain it to people like, like God is offering you to come live with him for eternity, but he only wants you there if you want to be there. Right. Yes. He, he wants he's inviting you. He says, this is how my eternity is going to work. Would you like to be here? And you get to be with me, and I want to be with you, but this is how it works. If you're going to show up and, like, not follow any of the things not of the world I designed, you're going to ruin it. And I'm not going to let you do that. So would you like to be part of my of my eternity? And, like, he's not, like, banishing you to hell because he's mad at you, right? He's like, you didn't want to be here. Right. Like, this is how yeah. it works. And right. you did, you said no. And so, like, I, I see it more often with a tear in his eye. Like the, but the Bible reads it with a little bit of, of wrath, you know, is the word that is usually used. But, like... Like when I take it in, I'm like, it's not, God made the same offer to everybody, mm-hmm. and you, and whether you take it like that, that's the lose your salvation part, right? Like God says, this is how eternity is going to work. Would you like to come? And like, you should probably start getting used to the rules and the way the things run. And like, you're like, yes, if that's what you say, I need to do, God. I would like to behave in that way because right. I want to be with you, absolutely, right? That's that's yes, I want to go, right. you know. But you're not a hostage. You're not a hostage. Right. You don't yeah. have to stay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Uh, it was there was another couple of examples. Maybe we'll get to them some other time. Guys talking about church is not welcome, like everyone's not welcome at the church. I'm like, okay, you missed that. And I just, I just, they, I was just so, I was so disappointed because there's so many things of which men need encouraged in strong scriptural things that call them to be better. Yeah, for the world around them mm. uh, and for themselves, frankly. What would you pick? What would be the first one you'd fire? I got one. Okay, yeah, you go. I just thought, like, I, I think I think the dudes could you really use some encouragement that it's okay to love without worrying that you're approving. Like, it's okay to love people wholly and well without worrying that your love is going to equal an approval of sin. Mm-hmm. I think dudes mm-hmm. are terrible about this. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say the, the, that you're needed. That that like um, because for the things we were talking about earlier that that. Um, I, I mean, I've most, I know it's not everybody, but like, 
if in my circle of marriages, these ladies could totally run the show. I mean, they don't need, it feels like they don't need you, but it's not true. It's, it's not true, fellas. Like you are, you are needed. Um, you are needed in the lives of your children. You're important in the lives of your children. You're needed in your wife's life. You're important in your wife's life. You are needed in the relationships within your municipality, within your school board, within like meeting people at the grocery store. Like you are a valuable, needed element of God's creation. And like, um, just because it feels like people are kind of getting away with some stuff, like when you're not around, oh, like, well, like I was out of town, I was out of town like three weeks or something over the first three months of the year. And like when I came back, I mean, my house was still running just fine. It's not like it fell apart because I was gone because frankly, all those people are used to being in the house when I might be at work during the day or something like that. And frankly, I was out of town, but I get paid either way. And so, but, but I was missing at my house. I was missing to um, to tell my children good and true things, to remind them that they're that they're super loved, um, to encourage my wife, to help uh, when especially when she's feeling low for having dealt with a bunch of kids all week and feels like maybe she's not keeping up as good as she should have as a mom. She needs reminded that she's doing great or pretty good, <laughs> right? Like or like whatever normal marriage. Just like I need, I don't need my wife to go, hey, you're great all the time. If it's not true, she's probably going to tell me, hey, right. we probably need to work on these things. Um, like you're needed in that way. You're you're a balance to some of the things that are going on in your house. And frankly, sometimes like for the people that you love and that you are to care for, like they need someone who's just confident and firm and just takes the responsibility and goes, you know what we're doing? This thing, this time, and we're going to start it over and we're going to pray that every night. And you know what? We're going out to eat tonight. And your wife goes, well, I'm worried about the money and I'm worried about the dishes. And we go, woman, go and eat. <laughs> We're going to eat. That guy go with woman, shut up. I'm going, hey, take it easy for a night. I think I'm going to make the executive decision we're going to eat. And just like you're needed and necessary. And so like if you look around and go, hey, I think this is running just fine without me, it's a charade. It's a charade. And frankly, you need the inputs that you get from doing the work of the kingdom within your family. The, the, uh, the blessings of the kingdom often come through the work of the kingdom. And the work of your kingdom is to help lead and guide your family. And so like you're missing out. If you're bailing on that stuff and like, I get it. You're passing the time downstairs watching, watching sports. You're passing the time on video games to two in the morning. You know, like you're passing the time complaining to your other husbands about how things aren't going, how you would expect at home or whatever. But like, you're missing out on the blessings of the kingdom because you're not taking part, taking part in them and you're not leading in there. And like, I, I know it, it's, it's very, it's very, um, fashionable, in our society for to, to present to the world ladies who act like they don't need no man. But I'm telling you this, the world was created for us to need each other. Yep. And, and like, I just, it's the relief with so many women in marriages when the fella actually goes, you know what? I'm going to straighten this thing out and I'm going to help decide, like I'm going to figure out a place where we're going to go to church. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to lead our family in prayer tonight. I'm going to make sure like I'm not relying on my wife to go, you know, hey, will you deal with the kids and make sure they clean up after themselves? Like a person who takes active part in the relationships within their household. And so like, I get it. I get what the fashion is. I'm just, if you put it down where there was no societal judgment, the relief from wives to see active, participating, competent, faithful husbands who are trying their very best to serve their family and lead them in a responsible way that God asked them to, I, they're, they're going to see it as a blessing. I'm just, I'm just not buying otherwise. I've not heard a compelling argument outside of the fact that we don't, we just don't like to say that kind of thing. Yeah.
You're listening to Life from the Path. Let's give out some advice. Okay, you ready? No. Dear. Oh, boy. I am. Dear Life from the Path. My first. What is this? No, I don't like that one. <laughs> I had one, and then it went away. Great start. I'm ready for it. Nope. I don't want that. Hold on. There we go. My 28-year-old daughter moved back home when COVID hit. 28. She works as an influencer and also has a part-time job as a content creator, so she has no work. (laughs) (laughs) She she doesn't pay bills. I've never once heard someone say, I'm a full-time influencer, and I'm a part-time content creator. (laughs) Excellent. She doesn't pay bills. My husband doesn't want her to pay rent, etc. I feel it's important for her to do so. She does pay for her groceries and gas. Okay. She stays in her room day and night. She used to go out with friends, but now doesn't do anything. She says she has cyber friends. We have asked her to come out with us at times, but she refuses. Another problem is she hasn't gone to the doctor or dentist in a very long time. I talked with her about it, and she blamed me for not taking her. I offered to go with her, but she doesn't do anything about it. My husband doesn't think there's a problem, but I feel there is. I feel we have enabled her, although we didn't mean to. Should we be charging her rent? How do we get her to become more social? How do we get her in the right help so she can move forward in her life? Okay, there's some of these things you can help with and some of these things that you can't. So, yes, you should charge her some rent. Yes. Right, so, listen here. You're not doing... I mean, we talk about this when it comes to childhood. Like, use the word discipline if you have to. I'm, I'm calling boundaries, okay? Like, it's okay to set boundaries in your kids' lives. They don't know when they're jacking up unless they run into a wall. And it's your as a parent, it's your job to set the walls. And so one of the walls is nobody gets to stay rent free at 28 years old, throughout and, and sustain their life, not actually generating any cash or paying bills. Let's say you two were to die in a car accident tomorrow. Have you set your kid up for success? You have not. Okay. So yeah, I think you should start charging rent directly. Secondly, when it comes to socialization, I don't know if this is going to be popular, but here's what I'm going to tell you: you can't force your kid to socialize. What are you going to do? My mom set up a date for me. Right. Hey, and and here's the thing. I, maybe this maybe this just hits home a little bit, but like sometimes kids rebel against their parents, just in, on general principle, general practice. I don't trust you anymore. I'm not gonna do. I'm gonna do whatever I want. Uh, and you're the one trying to hold me back from that. You're the one setting the walls. Okay. So even if you're trying to get them to do a good thing, sometimes you're gonna lose babies with bathwaters. They're gonna throw out something because you want it, you, even though it's really good for them. And so like. I, I, there's a risk. I, okay, whatever. We're running this to my place. I feel like my wife wants my oldest daughter to be more social. Okay? Uh, and she's right. She's right. This is good. You should make friends. You should go out with people or whatever. My daughter doesn't want to do it. Now, I think, frankly, part of that is uh, I think she's just re- got good old mom rebellion. And so even something that mom says that is good, I think she's going to fight about. And so, like, I mean, you can press that, but you're going to end up breaking both things. I think some of that stuff you got to wait out. I think you got to wait. I like you could. You should encourage the crap out of it. You should try to create good opportunities. You, it's good to invite your kid out or whatever. But at twenty years old, what are you going to do? You cannot change some of those types of things, and so you can only control what you can control. And then you encourage as much as you can. But the minute you make it, you try to be forceful about that kind of thing. You're going to bust the relationship and the good thing that you tried to bring along with it. So I'd be real cautious over there. Yeah, I don't think rent's even the right answer. I think she needs to move out. Oh, just straight up give her the boot. Yeah, I, I mean, and you don't have to do it in like a jerky way, but the truth is she needs to meet the maintenance man at the apartment building, the owner, 
that runs the apartment building, the manager of the Culver's where she needs to work now because she has to generate some rent. Right? Like, if you want to help both problems, right? She's only not socializing because she doesn't have to. Most of the friends I have, most of the people I interact with are at places I don't have a choice in going. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of people at work because I have to go there. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know them if I didn't go. Yeah. Same thing like I know the guy at the gas station because I got to get gas. The same thing I know the guy at the store because I've stopped to get my own food. You know what I'm saying? So, like, a lot of relationships are made because you're out participating in communities. Yeah. And uh, there, you can have friends online for sure, um, but you will have friends that are not online when you actually live in a world not online. And and you're not helping her in any of those regards. So, yeah. like, I would say for her own good, it's probably time to move out. Yeah. So um, that would be my advice. Second, like, your husband... Uh, He's he's the guy we were just talking about. He's not about. leading his family. No, he's a doofus. Like, obviously, this is a problem. 20 years old, not ever leaving the house and paying no rent, sitting around being a content creator part-time. Yeah, what dad, like, is, like, has eyes and sees that and then just does nothing or doesn't pay any attention to it at I all? I don't know any dad worth his, worth his salt that where their kid goes, Dad, I'm going to be an influencer and a content creator. He's like, no, those are not legit jobs. I mean, here's the deal. Right now it is. You can make stupid amount of money doing that. Yeah. But like, there's a discipline to like, what? what's your plan? You can ask that person who's a content creator or whatever, what happens if that social media platform gets shut down tomorrow? Like, it's fine to have these kind of conversations to build this person into a real human All being. All based on Charge reality, a- right? Like, you can't, like, you can be a content creator you want yeah, as long right. as you pay your bills. Right. right? Yes, and exactly. Like, yes, right. But like, that'll rent. flake out. Yeah, pay me rent and then be the parent that puts all that money in savings. Whatever. That way, when they do boot, you can go, hey, guess what? Over the last two years, I've been charging you 300 bucks a month, and now here's eight grand. I, I Go. Get yourself a car. Here's your down payment for the place. You've got a savings account now with a little bit of a bubble to fall on just in case TikTok gets sold and dies I feel like that ship tomorrow. has sailed, though. At 28, I think that you might have started that at, like, 17. I mean, yeah. I feel like 20. I, maybe, maybe, maybe Mike's right. Like, uh... You're just you're allowing a well okay so the, the, back to the dude back to the husband so like yeah this is a guy and this goes to the right encouragement it's like hey you know what a hard thing to say is is tell your kid hey you gotta go man like right. I, I'm not doing you any good here and like this is harming you because what you'd rather do I could look too I could look out at my family I got four kids I, I look at them and I go like I mean I'd keep them here what the heck man I like these people. Right. I want them to be around me. I like to hear them tell stories. I like to hear them tell jokes. I like to see them grow and change. And like the thought that, you know, you give it two years, one of them could just be gone and not around me all the time. Like, I, I don't like that, but it's good. It's like that's their their lives have to I like I, I have to sacrifice what I want, which is to have my kids around me all the time for their life, which is good. And like sometimes that means I have to admit I made a mistake. And I you know what? I facilitated them not moving on to a life that will do all kinds of good in the world that will create its own relationships and stuff. And like it's there, there's a need to protect and then there's a need to help thrive. And right now you're protecting and maybe even being selfish um, and you're not creating a situation of which your kids are thriving. And that is one of your responsibilities. And so you got to you got to do it. Even that, that that's the harder thing. The thing that seems noble that says I'll, I'm going to keep them. And it's not noble. Secular says a step in the right direction would be for your husband to take his head out of the sand and admit that his daughter may have a problem. The next step would to have a frank talk with her and tell her that if she's going to continue living with you, she must agree to have medical and dental checkups. Okay. <laughs> Go with her so you can understand what is going on. That's some, what? that's some good independence right there. Because your daughter appears to have some emotional issues. Her, quotes world may be on the web, but unless she can find one on terra firma, 
expect her to be under your roof forever. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to uh, shut the door that these parents have caused some of this problem. Of not only, not only with this COVID business, but like, I mean, tw- at 28, if this is she's still holding on to the influencer content creator gig. Um, unless she's actually, if she's really good at it, then she shouldn't, there's no reason to live at right, all. Right, yeah. Right, so she can't be good at it. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, something, you, if this dude is in the indication, uh, he's facilitated this all the way yeah, up to exactly. this point. Yeah, he's not developed any discipline in, in his child, a, any any uh, ability to establish self-worth or that anything means anything. Uh, nothing is sacred to this, this kid at all. It's all about, like, entitlement without any deserving of like nature of it at all yeah like so we were talking about this before the show right like god has put things in place to to help like address some of this right it's why he said humanity is going to work right yeah. it's yeah. why why like humanity should have a little bit of exercise in their day and get some decent sleep and not eat junk food all the time right like god has set us up to deal with a lot of these things that we're trying to solve with medications yeah. and so like a lot of this is coming from honestly a lot of it's lack of work like you just you need to find a purpose and like let's say content creation I'm just old and I think it's dumb but it's actually awesome and a great way to make money. Okay, I hear you. Like when it's paying your bills, then yes, you're completely right. When you're living at your parents' house at 28, I'd say it's not. I'd say that you are completely mooching off of a environment that you came from. I don't think the thing's yeah. holding its Why own. did they move back for for COVID by the way? Did not like, say. Yeah. I'm I'm just trying to think of like what's the what's the rationale there if that's not just indicative of the bigger situation. Yeah, and content I feel like creation was at its heights during COVID. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Stuff exploded when 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 COVID happened because everybody was on freaking line because we we're stuck in our houses. Uh, you know, that was the prescription, but that's why all these tech companies are laying people off is they thought the thing was going to sustain and it didn't. Yes. But at the time it did. Though. Well, at the time they believed it would. I don't know that it actually did. Really? Yeah, I don't know that it actually did. Like the question is, is like for those folks, isn't whether people were consuming more online content? It's whether they were consuming the peripherals to the online comment, true content, more ads and stuff. Like that. That's true, and people were making money because the more their content reached people, the more people were willing to pay for the advertisement, thinking that it was going to boom. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. valid point. Never thought about that. Okay, okay, last one. Ready? Yep. yep. Dear life from the path. I've been married for more than thirty years. My husband and I split all bills and everything else. <laughs> this has worked because in life. I have always taken care of myself. My issue is his cheap attitude about every little dime. He always makes sure I pay my fair share to the penny. But when it comes to his reimbursing me, he usually rounds down to the dollar. While he's tight with the family, he's generous to everyone else. He is generous not only with his money, but also his time. His stinginess towards me makes me feel I'm unimportant to him. I am very generous to him. Why are our family and I lowest on his priority list while he's so generous to everyone else? Good time, Gary. Uh, I, I, this sounds like a conversation that probably needs to be had over a series of months with this man. But like, let's 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 posit a situation of which he um, is not a is not a jerk, right? Okay? Yeah. So what it may look like is is that you, if you feel a responsibility for your family, you try to teach your kids responsibility, yeah. right? And so you're a little tighter on the internal, okay. But then you're super generous with external folks because it's not your job to teach them anything. You get to just be generous. He's talking about that with you, his wife. That you can be generous. He, he, didn't he say to his family? No, yeah, he's t- yeah, but like they split the bills. That was her main point. Is like if she owes him $26.12, he makes sure that he gets the exact amount from her. But when he owes her, he pays 26 bucks. I mean, does she insist upon the 12? Apparently not. 
Mom, it sounds like sounds like she doesn't need a better accountant. You know what? You know what works here? Not doing this freaking me. I have this money. You have this money. Crap. Same it's, bank. This is our money. Yeah. Yeah. You never have to worry about reimbursing somebody if you have the same dang bank account. Yeah. And you just work through stuff. Yeah. And guess what? You can be generous within your family and outside of your family. It's yeah. fine. Because nobody's owed anything. It's just the money of the family. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, why I, it works great that way. Here's the thing. I, is I know there's I know there's multiple philosophies around this, but I'm going to tell you this. You you by having separate bank accounts as a married couple, all you all you're doing is deferring a major argument till later in your marriage. Yes. And you're saying I don't want to be responsible. Right. Right. I, I don't want because like you get then you get to hide what you're spending on. Yep. And like I here's the thing, even if you don't find yourself to be a deceitful person, like you're still doing it. Yeah. Right? It just gives you an avenue that you don't need. And it's so amazing. like I like just just as soon as you say I do, you combine the bank accounts, you book the counselor the next week. But like, do not defer this conversation because like that's what we're doing right now. We're having this conversation around like, why does he treat me this way? Right. Which has got all kinds of underlying things like trust and love and care. It's just you're using you're using the bank account as the forum. As the right. medium through which to have this problem. But like you could have hashed that out a long time ago. The money shouldn't be the barrier to it. And so I, I that's encouragement number one is you all this goes away when you combine the bank accounts. And then two, now you start dealing with the actual problems, which is like, well, because you think of it this way. The money could be telling maybe this guy's just he's just a tight dude internally because he, he, he feels like if I got to watch my pennies here because I want to be generous. Exactly. Okay, so he's tied about that, and be, I mean, she's she is just another provider of money. With the way that they've set it up right. and split their things, that's the role she chose. Yeah, they buddies. chose as a couple, and so you can't. I mean, don't be upset because the guys like that. But I, I think it solves. But you you combine the bank account and then be prepared to hash it out for a number of months until you get those things resolved. Yeah, Segler says your husband may have cultivated the reputation of being benevolent and munificent. Because he feels it is in his advantage. He may not feel the need to impress you and other family members because he sees no advantage in it. What a miserable, miserly husband you have. What? I'm surprised that rather than write to me, you haven't confronted him about it. Things might have been different if you had spoken up decades ago. Holy cats. Not even any advice from Secular. Just straight up, your husband sucks. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. I just can't imagine taking my wife out to dinner and going, you owe me 1350 Yeah, right. What a weird interchange, isn't it? Especially, like, just think of the types of things you do with your with your spouse. And then, like, well, before before we move on to the romantic part of the evening, let's settle the debt. Right. <laughs> like, it just seems so... And what a thing to have to bring up, I don't know, the next morning or the morning after. Like, I would want no part of this. So, my wife and I have had separate bank accounts since the beginning of our marriage. We're working on fixing that right now because, actually, I've talked to Ben about this a couple times, and it's one of the reasons we're fixing that. But, like, do you know what I love doing? I love spoiling my wife. I love it. She asked me for 20 bucks today because she sent me most of her paycheck to put into our savings account. So trying to make big moves in uh, debt consolidation and savings, right? And so she sent most of her money and then she goes, oh, crap. Something came out that I really need to have like $46 for, right? And she goes, I only have 40. And I went, okay. And she goes, can you send me 20 bucks? I'd really appreciate that because that way, you know, I, I, I can get it taken care of. Now, here's the deal. We pay all my bills, all of our bills out of my account. Everything comes out of what I have just because I'm I'm the main person who works in our relationship. And like we just pay for everything through what I have, right? She asked me for 20 bucks. I happily skipped over to my bank account and sent her 50 
because I was like, you know what I love? I love the fact that she's going to check her phone and she's going to go, oh my gosh, he gave me 30 more than what I asked for because he trusts me. He knows I'm not going to be dumb and he knows that it'll make me feel loved that he sent me even more than I asked for. So it's not just, hey, let me take care of the things that you need. Let me give you a little bit extra so you feel more comfortable about where you're at. You don't have to worry about something. I freaking love doing that. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. If we had a single bank account, I'd do the same thing. I'd just tell her like, hey, baby, we're being we're being smart about our money. But we're budgeting well, just a heads up. If you want to grab something nice, like if you want a new shirt or if you want to get something new, do it. I trust you. I'm not going to tell her an amount because it's not just me giving her money because I lord over it. It's just, hey, I think it's a good idea because I want you to be able to buy yourself a nice thing. Mm-hmm. We're being generous where we need to. We're being screw- we're, we're being smart with our money for, for what God's called us to do and stuff like that. I love you. God's not going to get mad at us if if you buy a shirt today or if you splurge a little bit, get a nicer purse than you had. Whatever. I'm fine with it. It is such a fun and loving thing to do in a marriage when you trust each other and you love each other. And that's part of it, man. It's awesome. It's just awesome. These financial conversations don't need to turn into giant landmines. They're not minefields. I don't know how you save. Like, I'd be really interested to find a a marriage that has done this and has done it well. Because, like, I only see pitfalls. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's, there's, in fact, I know a couple couples that have done it. I should probably ask them. But, like, I don't know how you would be like, look, how do we get money into savings to cover, like, when our washer breaks? You know? And so, like, we look at the money as a pool and go, well, how much do we got? How much are our bills? Okay, we could probably shovel a little bit into savings or whatever and... After whatever six months, eight months, we might be able to have some washer money. You know, like let, let's do that. But like, how, how to have that conversation separately? I don't know. Plus, there's built-in accountability to me sharing a bank account. Yes. Like as soon as I buy something, like my wife knows everything I buy, and like I wouldn't try to buy anything on the sly anyway. Right. You know, because she gets to see the bank account. She looks at it more than I do, anyhow. Yeah. So like, there's built-in accountability that like if I decided I wanted to do something, like I just call, hey. I was thinking about pulling the trigger on buying a new battery. Uh, it's probably going to be 140 bucks. What do we think? Ugh. I'd probably wait till next paycheck on that one, Foost. Okay, got it. Right. We're going we're to slink along on this battery for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. there, there's trust and there's respect in that, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like that's my wife and I have had to have tough conversations. Like she's. So it's going to sound like I'm saying I've never done anything wrong. That's absolutely not true. But like she's made some decisions financially that I'm just like, babe, that just was not the right move. It just flat out wasn't. I don't know why you did that. Here's how that made me feel. And this is what the reality of what you just did is. But, like, we trust each other. She knows I love her. I know she loves me. There's no, like, worry of being in a pitfall in a, in a landfill or a minefield in this situation because I can go, hey, just because I'm going to say that was kind of a bad deal doesn't mean that I'm eroding away your worth or that I think you shouldn't be trusted with money. That's not the situation. None of those are even on the table to be a debate. Mm-hmm. I trust you. I love you. I'm not worried about this stuff. But just that instance, maybe probably don't do that again or maybe let's talk about that going forward. And it's like I'm certainly not saying I have the, the you know the skeleton key to every good conversation about finances in a marriage. It's just when you come at it from that place and go, okay, how is this going to make them feel? How do I feel about this? Make sure I'm not checking this with anger and just go, okay, from a logical perspective, this is what we said we wanted to do because we've already talked about that. This is what we said our finances should be for because we already communicated and talked about that. We set this plan. You went off plan. If that's a problem, fine. Let's talk about it. If it's not a problem and you don't see it, it is fine. Let's talk about that too. These were my expectations. These are yours. We're not angry at each other and it's not emotionally charged. It just goes, hey, there was 50 bucks in there before. It's not now. What's going on? Let's talk. And it's freaking great. It is fantastic. I like sharing a bank account. I think it's the only way to live. Yes, agreed. You've been listening to Life from the Path on LiveFromThePath.org. 
Uh, why don't you go ahead and hit us up on not, the... We've not broadcasted... <laughs> we have not broadcast on the website for almost like eight years. Can he's he's still, saying in the future. He's saying when they're watching watch this... It there? When, when they're yeah. watching this in 2031, you're obviously watching this from the from the future on livefromthepath.org. Yeah, you can still see it there. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it. hold on it. a minute. Yep. I said a true and righteous thing, and then you came in with judgment and terribleness. Be faithful in the ends. God will handle the means. I... <laughs> That's my thing. Oh, is it? Oh, did I say it wrong? Yes, you also said it wrong. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it. This was short of uh, four ninety nine. So next uh, next time you see Live from the Path, we'll be on our uh, five hundred episode, and uh, there probably will be no fanfare or no bit no. of that. Dan and might be wearing a weird shirt or hat, just like four ninety eight. Yeah, right. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, uh, in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.